In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, James and I, we are going to discuss three prospects whose draft stock is skyrocketing since the start of the year. So stay tuned to hear our thoughts on St. Thomas, Johnny Furphy, and Jameer Watt. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And to my left, but to my right on the TV screen or the computer, is my brother, James Barlow. How about I'll call you the vice president of basketball operations? Mm, I like that, man. That sounds kind of formal. VP. That sounds kind of formal. So big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day, whether it's your first, your second, or your third. I appreciate each and every listen. I've been noticing, man, there is a ridiculous amount of podcasts out there. Man, like there's so like many podcasts. There's so many people that are starting podcasts. There's so many people that have that have had a podcast and they and they quit. That's why all the good names are taken up. But there's so many podcasts out there and I just appreciate each and every person like sincerely that listens to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. So it, it means a lot to me that we we have an audience because I know there's some people that are struggling to, to get an audience and my advice is just keep going, just keep posting content, but I am grateful and, and thankful for all the listens. And if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please subscribe, like, share, comment, click the notification bell so you'll get notified every time we post because we are your source for NBA Draft content five days per week. All right, let's talk about three prospects that I believe their draft stock is, is skyrocketing. One in particular, I think he has a chance to rise up draft boards. I know I've heard that there's one team that, that really likes him. I want to talk about St. Thomas. St. Thomas, which is one of the coolest names out there. St. Thomas is from our hometown, Omaha, Nebraska. I actually went to high school with his mom. Just kind of shows how old I am. Oh. But he is having a magnificent, magnificent, ooh, magnificent season for Northern Colorado. Started off his college career at Loyola. Had less than 100 points in two seasons combined at Loyola. Makes the move to Northern Colorado. Nice averaging 20 and 10. Had a big matchup against Dylan Jones on Saturday. Scored 29 points or 27 points or something like that. Grabbed 10 rebounds. I, I think that he could be one of the sleepers, especially in a wide open draft like this. So what are your thoughts on St. Thomas? Again, throwing out the biases, like he can really play. I think he's a, a what I call a do it all forward. Like there isn't really, there aren't really like particularly holes in his game right now. He can catch and shoot. He can create his own shot. Uh, he does some Carmelo Anthony type stuff in in the mid post. Um, rebounds. Rebounds at a very high level. And of all those things that he does, I want to say that the most impressive thing to me that he does, he's very unselfish. He's a, a very good playmaker. And, like, again, you think about guys averaging 20 and 10. He's out there trying to get his 20. And, you know, an assist may come here or there. Like, you can tell that he understands he's number one on the scouting report. 
but he also understands he has to keep guys involved. And because he's going to draw double teams and that he's the number one focus of the defense, that, like, he'll, he'll hit guys, he makes plays, like, he understands the game. And to me, that's been the most impressive thing because, again, you got to think, after averaging, what, three, four points a game his first two years, to skyrocket to 20 and still remain unselfish, like, that speaks to his character and his IQ as a basketball player. Yeah, what's interesting about his game is that he's scoring – you know, a lot, 20 points per game. He's rebounding. And when I watched the game on Saturday, it kind of confirmed what I had been seeing all season long. He's not a guy that is scoring and, he, like, he's looking to get his points. He's scoring his 20 within the flow of the offense. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well against Weber State, but he was aggressive, but at the same time aggressive within the flow of the offense, got to the free throw line at least 13 times, he was able to score 29 points and grab 10 rebounds. And he was aggressive, but like I said, it was in the flow of the offense. He's not a guy that's hunting his shots. And he's won player of the week in the conference like six times, which is a conference that was supposed to be Dylan Jones's conference. Now, it was to be determined who is the higher draft pick or if they both get drafted or whatever. But for, for Dylan to be the guy that was supposed to be the focus of the conference and the guy that everyone came to see. I thought that Saints' performance on Saturday was, was big for him because it was a game that I know NBA scouts were in attendance for. Yeah, he's just very impressive, man. And like I said, he, he does everything. And he, it's not one particular thing that he does where the, the defense is like, we got to stop him from doing this. Like, I've seen him initiate pick and roll. I've seen him screen and spot up coming out of pick and roll. Uh, he rebounds and pushes the ball in transition. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. He's a good cutter. Good cutter. Yeah. Fan of his whether or not he's from Omaha or not. So, usually the concern with guys like that is that they may not have one particular skill set to hang their hat on. So a lot of times NBA teams are looking for a guy that is a really good defender or a guy that can shoot. And sometimes we see guys that are multidimensional that don't necessarily have, like, glaring weaknesses in their game, but they may not have, like, that one, like, great strength to hang their hat on. Sometimes they kind of get lost in, in the shuffle. What are your thoughts on, on Saint? And is he – a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, or do you think that there is a skill set that he can hang his hat on as it relates to the NBA? Uh, I think he <clears throat> excuse me, is a jack-of-all-trades, but he has to improve his uh, catch-and-shoot efficiency because if he's not making – like you have to ultimately think at the next level, his role, his usage, all that is going to be scaled down mm -hmm. just because it is what it is. It's the NBA. It's the best of the best of the best. So – He's gonna to have to improve on his catching and shooting of the three of the of the ball, especially from three. Uh, I have him at thirty six percent catch and shoot. I think he's at like thirty four percent for the season from three. Yes, thirty four percent. So you got to think in a in a, a diminished role, uh, especially early on, the minutes are lower. He's going to have to make the most of his minutes and be efficient. But at the same time, again, you know how I feel about 3 and D guys. I'm not a big fan of them. But if he can knock the three ball down amongst all the other things that he does well, I think he has a bright future because you can't sit here and say he's not going to rebound. Or mm -hmm. if you chase him off the line, 
He's going to be able to hit guys, hit cutters. He can, you know, finish himself. He'll be able to screen and there may be opportunities where he can grab the ball off the glass himself and that drag screen from that five man may be for him. And then you can showcase, he can showcase his playmaking ability. But if nothing else, he has to be able to shoot the three ball better. Yeah, I think that the shooting is – it's what he does. Like when he was in high school, he was known as a knockdown shooter. It was Hunter Salas's – I don't want to say it was Hunter Salas's team in a sense, but Hunter was like the focal point of that, of that team. He got all the accolades, which he's playing well. I mean, I think that Hunter is a potential first-round pick. So Saint has kind of been in the background a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now he's in a situation where he goes from being like the secondary guy as far as hype in high school. There were some people that thought he was the best player on the Miller North team. Did they win the state championship? They did win the state championship. Okay, that's what I was say. And then um, he goes to Loyola, not playing at all. Now he's in this starring role where he's like mm-hmm. the number one name on the scouting report, which is interesting because it's probably been a while since he's been that. But I do think if you have to scale him back to – a reduced role where he's getting a lot of catch-and-shoot jumpers, I think that he's going to be able to knock down shots at, at an efficient rate. Do you yeah. have a comparison? No, I don't have a comparison. I, sometimes I see, like, some Josh Howard, just kind of the way he moves. Maybe it's the double wristbands that makes him look like Josh Howard. But I don't have a direct comparison. But I like what he brings to the table as a rotation guy in the NBA. Because yeah. you can't just box him in into doing one thing. And when he's not doing that one thing, what else does he do? Like, I feel like he can do other things, too. Yeah, I think Josh would thrive in today's NBA because he played a little point forward. Yes. He was an all-star. Shout out to Josh Howard. Josh <laughs> kind of launched my video career on it was just pure coincidence. But that's a, a story for another day. All right. When we return, we're going to talk about maybe the hottest Prospect as far as rising. She might not. It's not a maybe. In, in college basketball over the past few weeks, it is Kansas's Johnny Furphy. James is really high on Johnny. So stay tuned to hear our thoughts on Kansas freshman Johnny Furphy. Happy Super Bowl week to all of those who celebrate at FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. And if you are like me, you are looking to secure the best seat on the couch, in the house, grabbing your favorite snacks to watch Super Bowl 58. And FanDuel has so many ways for you to get a W, one or two or three, four, even five Ws. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. And if you are a new customer, if you are a new customer, join today. And you can get $250 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins. Again, that's $250 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins. So visit FanDuel and join FanDuel. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NFL. One of my favorite days of the year is the NBA trade deadline, and it is fast approaching. And Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the place to be on Thursday for live reaction. Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. 
please subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Basketball on YouTube today so you do not miss Josh Lloyd breaking down every single NBA trade with analysis and insight that you can only get from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, the number one fantasy basketball show on YouTube, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Check it out. Do not miss the NBA trade deadline show coming up Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. All right, second segment. Johnny Furphy had a big game against Houston this weekend. It's really been a, a since the, the calendar, the start of the 20, calendar year, 2024. 2024. And maybe it may have been a few games before that, but he has emerged and he's hooping. Like, he is playing well. What are your thoughts on Johnny Furphy? Man, that's the hottest. He's got to be the hottest name in the nation right now. Like, you look at his, his ability, he's at 6'9", he's athletic, slasher. He rebounds, mm-hmm. at a very, he rebounds at a high level with other guys on that team that rebound at a high level. Kevin McCullough is a McCull- good rebounder. Hunter, Hunter Dickinson, Dickinson can grab 20 of them, yeah. and he's still on the glass. Uh, his three-point percentage right now, at least over the last six starts, are ridiculous. I have him at 16 points, eight rebounds, 65, 55, 70 splits. And can't, I, knock, can't knock those numbers. Look, you can't knock the numbers. Everything about, like, he's he's threading the net. Just He's cash. And that Houston game is a big game. Houston always has athletes. Houston's mm-hmm. always tough. They're well coached. I feel like they have the best recruiting model in the country because they recruit straight hoopers. They don't do role players. They just like, look, we want the best nine, ten guys, and we're going to go. And he, he was great that game against Houston. And like I said, Ralph, we had talked about it off the camera, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's the first Kansas player taken in the draft if he keeps this up. I don't expect him to shoot 55% from three for the rest of the season. But if it drops to I mean, we're 30. We're at 20-something games now. Yes. yes <laughs> we're we're true. more than halfway through. But if it drops to 39, like, I don't know. It's going to be tough to sit here and say with his age, his athleticism, his activity, he might be the first uh, Kansas player taken in the draft this year. Wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a real possibility. Kevin McCullough got off to a blazing start. He's at about 36% from three. I wondered how long he would be able to sustain the the shooting numbers because he hasn't been an efficient shooter from three. But Furphy is is younger, he he's bigger, he is the hot name. And you know when when college basketball sometimes if if your stock is hot and the, there's a smaller sample size, you can go higher. So I do think that there is a chance he could pass. He's a sprained ankle away from declaring for the draft. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> not, just saying, not like, wishing to sprain ankle yeah. on him, but like, hey. No, he's just he's just ascending at the right time. Yeah. You know, I, I would much rather a prospect like their their role increases and they they establish themselves as the NBA draft pick in conference play as opposed to a guy who has a strong non-conference schedule. And then you just see like once teams are able to really scout scout him and evaluate him and know his weaknesses he struggles but Furphy has is, is done the opposite like he was a guy that had some buzz coming into the season and then he just wasn't playing a lot to start the season and then something clicked and now he's playing a lot and he's made the most of of his draft time do you have any comparisons or even any concerns in this game that you would like to see addressed the rest um, of the way I would like to figure out why he 
didn't play as much as he is now? Like, what what was the issue? Was it the uh, transition from Australia to America? Like, I wonder what what was the issue? How come he like to go from six seven minutes? I mean, as a reserve, he was playing like eight minutes a game to now he's like the third best player on the top 10 team. Like you don't see that jump very often. And I just, I would like to know like what happened. Yeah. I mean, you said third best player, but we're talking as the potential best NBA prospect. He's playing like how I thought El Marco would play. I I knew El Marco would be good. They don't play the same position. I, I thought El Marco was going to be Kansas's best NBA prospect this year. I did too. I knew the role wasn't going to be great. I didn't think he'd have a starring role, but I thought he could just show enough flashes here and there with the athleticism and burst and, and playmaking that somebody would, would take him early. But he looks like he's going to need guy. a two-year guy. Which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure to be one and done, especially if you're a McDonald's All-American. But Furphy has just found a way to shine despite – sharing the court with Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCullough, who got a lot of the buzz. And, I mean, it's it's a veteran team. He wasn't the most – he had some hype, but he wasn't, like, the guy that was on a lot of draft boards coming into the season. But he's just found a way to fit in, found a way to shine, and I think that he's put himself in position to be one of the first 30 names called. Yeah, he's at 43% from three on the season, and that's largely carried by his last six games. Um, it'll be interesting to see what does he, like, cool down to as a shooter. Because, like, again, obviously at 55, that's not realistic for anybody. But what does he cool down to as a shooter? You see, um, let's say if you're a believer in the free throw line um, being an indicator of what kind of shooter you are, uh, he is at 67% over those six games. So it's like, does he cool down to 35%? So now at 6'9", athletic, hits the glass, Shoot, even shooting 35% from three, you still think, like, that's the first-round pick in this draft. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what does his bad stretch look like and how effective is he, will he be as uh, he cools down some. All right. When we return, we're going to talk about Florida State's Jameer Watkins. He's a guy that I'm really high on. I think that he could be one of the – the, the late risers or bloomers as we get closer to the 2024 NBA draft. So stay tuned to hear our thoughts on Florida State's Jameer Watkins. And this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp because sometimes we all need the opportunity to get some things off of our chest. Whether it's big or small, there are certain things that can really start to get to you and bother you. And it is very important that you let it out. Do not keep it in especially if you can find someone to speak with who is unbiased in your life. So you may want someone to speak to about things that make you upset, sad, excited. Maybe you want to avoid cursing. You can come up with different items or subjects that you would like to share with a licensed counselor. And therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team. And it's very important for you to get things off of your chest every once in a while. And if you are thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp is a good option. Give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. It is designed to be flexible and it is suited to fit your schedule. So visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA 
to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. All right, last segment, we're going to talk about Florida State's Jameer Watkins. Speaking of players trending in the right direction, I think Watkins has generated some, some buzz. I actually had a scout tell me he thinks Watkins is one of the top 15 prospects. 15 he said or top 50? 15. Nikola Jokic, 15? Carmelo Anthony, Latrell Sprewell, number, Latrell Sprewell, Golden State, okay. number 15. But, yeah, no, he said he's one of the top 15 prospects in this class. He, you know, everybody has, like, their opinion and, and guys that they really, really like that fit the style of play or the aesthetic that they're looking for. And for this particular scout, it was Jameer Watkins. He talked about his size, his ability to get downhill, and Watkins is leading Florida State in points, rebounds, assists, steals. steals. And he just gets downhill. He's a, a good athlete, aggressive, reluctant shooter. I think mm-hmm. that the shot is, is going to, to be the area that, that he'll need to improve on the most because he does passive open jumpers. But he passive open jumpers to get to the paint. And when he gets to, to the paint, because he's so strong and athletic, it's either a bucket well, he's getting fouled. He's definitely a, a tough matchup for teams because of his size and hey, athleticism. Man. Five free throws a game. In college basketball. In 26 minutes. Downhill. That's crazy. Yeah. 26 minutes, he's getting five free. Again, so you want to say per 40, which they don't play 40, eight free throw, per temp, free throw attempts per game. Like, yeah. I I understand in a sense why he's passing up jumpers, but ultimately you got to shoot the ball because you just can't run over people at the next level. Well, I'm gonna say he's just running over people and he's out of control. But like he's he's, he's finishing through contact. Finishing but here's the contact. the reason why I can see why somebody could be so high on him is because and, and you said it yourself, the spacing in college basketball is bad. It's like you're playing in a phone booth. So imagine him with NBA spacing with shooters. And how well he finishes through contact and his ability to live in the paint, I could see how someone could say, all right, he's doing this. He's aggressive, five free throw attempts without great floor spacers. He could look a lot better on on an NBA floor. So I get it. I mean, I'm not going there with myself saying he's in the top 15, Mm -hmm. but I get the appeal of a 6'7 big wing that can pass, that can collapse a defense, like I said, finishes through contact. He's the type of player that can get your team in, in the bonus because he's so aggressive. So I, I like him a lot. But the biggest concern is the shooting. Very, very reluctant shooter. Yes. The free throw, I mean, the three point percentage isn't terrible. Mm-hmm. But I also understand why would he shoot him? Because <laughs> he can get downhill whenever he wants to. And he probably feels like I'm bailing the defense out when I shoot a three. But he is going to need to work on it because he'll probably have, well, I shouldn't say probably, but it's very likely he'll have a scaled-down role in the NBA, and he's going to have to play off of someone. So here's my thing about the jump shot, right? Like, as talented as he is, the physical tools, I do have an issue with my player, my best player shooting barely 42% from the field. So you have to keep the defense honest, and you have to take and make jump shots. 
because he's I you know I want to say he's too talented to be shooting forty two percent from the field. Yeah, like that's to me that's low, especially like that's low considering Florida State has talent too. It's not like he is the the biggest fish in a small pond. I just I would I would want more I want better efficiency from him. Um, and again, he was thirty nine percent as a freshman at Virginia Commonwealth. As a sophomore, he was forty one percent from the field. So it's like. I get it. Big time talent. I think he has uh, great pace for somebody to be so yes. physical and yes. strong and attacking the rim. You think attacking the rim, five free throws a game, you think a dude is out of control at times and he's just running over people. No, he has great pace, but I just want that efficiency to just be a lot better because, again, 6'7, 210, pace, can handle, can pass. You're shooting 41% from the field, man. And, and again, we talk about a scaled-down role in the NBA. It's like you're not going to be able to depend on your role. Like, you're going to have to be able to make and take open shots. And it just has to improve for me. But, again, I like him a lot. I just wish that that part of his game was better. Yeah, in his last two games against Louisville and North Carolina, he is 6 for 24 from the floor. And the two games prior to that against Syracuse and Clemson, he was efficient. He was – Eight for 15 against Syracuse, five, five eight. for eight against Clemson. Do you think the struggles of the last two games, our teams are a little bit more prepared for him and, and teams know exactly what he's going to do? Because against Carolina, he took four threes, which is good. He made mm-hmm. two out of four, but he was 0 for three, which is, I guess, a fair ratio against Louisville where 12 shots were – 12 shots total, and nine were, uh, I'm assuming nine were in the paint, and only mm-hmm. three threes. But he's a good foul shooter. Like, even in that game against Louisville, which they lost, that's, and <laughs> he got to the foul line crazy. ten times. Right. And then the game against North Carolina when he was off, he still got to the foul line five times. So even when the shot isn't falling, he's been able to get to the foul line 15 times in, in two games, which I like that. There are so many guys that I have concerns about. If the shot isn't falling, what do they do? What What do they do? At least with him, you know he's going to put pressure on the defense. So you know he's going to put pressure on defense. You know he's going to rebound, and he's still going to make plays. So I have him during the uh, ACC play. I have him at uh, 15 points, five rebounds, three assists, one and a half steals. But again, at the same time, 39% from the field in ACC play, 26% from the free throw line. For the three, for the three point, but he's getting to the foul line six times a game in conference play. So it's like, you know what? I get it. Um, if I'm a GM and I'm in the 20s and I'm just like, you know what? I'm rolling the dice on his talent and we'll work on the shooting. It makes perfect sense, but I just wish he shot the ball a lot better. Yeah, this draft is wide open. I mean, you, you heard a phone call I had earlier today with an agent and they're just like, I don't know. There's so many guys. A guy can go 15 or he can go 60. You just have no idea. But his, he, Watkins is a name that I hear rising up draft boards despite really being inefficient over his last two games. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. In our next episode, we, we promised we promised that I teased it last week. Um, had to re-record it just because by the time I edited it, the, the numbers weren't accurate. But the next episode, we're going to talk all about Bronny James. Interesting episode coming up. So stay tuned. The next episode will be about Bronny James. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow. 
with my brother James Barlow, and we are out.